Hi, and welcome back to Go Native, the business of native plants. I'm Cammie Donaldson, your host with the Native Plant Horticulture Foundation. In this episode, we talk with Troy Springer, founder of Springer Environmental Services in Central Florida, east of Tampa. Troy started his career mowing both lawns and larger properties, but didn't find the work satisfying. He spent some years learning and shifting the business to native landscape design, installation, and maintenance, and has begun his next big step, building a retail nursery. I'm Troy Springer of Springer Environmental Services. We are based out of Plant City, Florida, and we specialize in native plants doing design, installation, and maintenance. Tell us a little bit about the origins of the business for years, I had a, just a traditional rolling and landscape operation. Didn't know anything about native plants. When I did do landscaping, I used non-native plants and just did what everyone else did. In 2005 is when I formed Springer Environmental Services. However, I was dabbling in native plants probably at least five, at least five years prior to that. And I started dabbling and I was learning about it. And that was the direction I wanted to go in. When I uh, decided to make the real move, I sold most of my mowing assets. So I uh, just got out of that. The only, the only mowing assets that I kept were people that supported my native landscaping. So they would hire me to do these projects using native plants. So I kept all those properties. And I still have some of those today. And we do a tiny little bit of mowing, very, very little anymore. I've pretty much gotten out of the mowing business years ago, but there's still a little residual left. I hear you. So Troy, tell us how you first learned about native plants. Where was that? How did that happen? What was the native plant connection for you? There came a point that I, I realized that what I was doing was harmful to the environment. I just did not like what I was doing. I was miserable in the in the the life I chose in the mowing operation. It just evolved from this rural, beautiful places to less and less of that, more and more urbanized landscapes. And I disliked it. So I was looking for a career change. And I was going through it. I was just going out there looking. And then I discovered, actually, the Florida Exotic Pest Plant Council. So I, I, I saw that they existed. And I was like, you know, that's something I really want to learn more about. So I joined and I started getting the publications and was researching and learning about invasive plant management. And that's what I was thinking, okay, that's what I'm going to start doing now. But in that magazine was an advertisement for the Native Plant Society. And I was like, wow, there's a Native Plant Society? So I instantly joined that. And that's when things really changed. It just completely changed my, my view. And that's actually when I met you at a conference our chapter was involved at the conference and I met you and you told me that there was an association and actually a group of industry people that specialize in native plants. So I, I think it's interesting that the initial poll was, I can just see you, Troy, being really turned on by the idea of getting out there and killing those bad plants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still love to do that today. That's for sure. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> like killing the enemy. <laughs> That's funny. So Springer Environmental Services, 
is a little different than a lot of the businesses we've been interviewing on the Go Native podcast. We've talked to growers and we've talked to straight up retailers. You're kind of in a special niche for native landscape design and installation and maintenance. Talk to us a little bit about how Springer is different from our other native plant businesses. I do so much maintenance. So I still love maintenance. I love to create through maintenance, not just through installation and and design, but the maintenance is a big part of the creative process. What makes it interesting is our landscapes are, we're trying to build something that does function like an ecosystem. It's a true living landscape. You still have very high standards in aesthetics, but we also want it to function properly uh, and function like an ecosystem because we know that the landscapes that function like an ecosystem are far more valuable than a traditional decorative-only landscape. Uh, So we have spent many years developing that kind of technique to uh, enhance the landscape so that it functions, that it's a living, breathing system. And plants, they, uh, they do their thing, they bloom, they have offspring and they die. And then the next generation comes in and comes up. But then we still have these standards for aesthetics. So we steer that in a way to make something that is beautiful and, and that creative process of turning chaos into something that still functions very well and still looks beautiful at the same time. So those are the things that we put a lot of time into. That's it in a nutshell. From a business standpoint, you kind of have to sell your customers on a different model, right? It's like, I'm not showing you up every week to mow your lawn. Absolutely. Tell us about that. Well, oddly enough, I mean, um, when people say, well, how much is all this going to cost? It took me a long time to figure that out because we were developing and learning. And it's often very difficult to determine what it costs to maintain, to keep these standards. And a lot of times it kind of depends on what a customer's budget is, aesthetic goals are, what is going to determine the cost. So when it comes to creating an ecosystem or a landscape that works properly, it can be expensive initially. And that is one thing that a lot of people have a hard time grasping that it's a lot of work because you're trying to take, it's real easy to rip out an ecosystem and put a fake landscape in. It's really hard to take a fake landscape and put an ecosystem in. And it takes time for that uh, ecosystem to start functioning properly. There's a lot of work initially, a lot of handwork. You can't just go in there and do too much spraying with herbicides. Uh, a lot of that work's got to be done by hand. So, so that is an issue. However, over time, the landscape does function more and more like an ecosystem. And it, it definitely gets less expensive over time. It's, and we've actually, in the last few years, have been documenting that, studying that in my garden itself. Like we use my garden as kind of a case study and determining and we're tracking every all the hours put into these like new meadows and new landscapes in that demonstration garden. And we're trying to determine, you know, exactly how long it takes for for this meadow to function properly and also what the real costs are. So the new, the, the brand new meadow, which is pretty good size, 
is when we're really tracking our hours and uh, determining like how much it takes per square foot in maintenance. It's really amazing. Like we're going into our, this will be our fourth year. The first year, the meadow was half the size. And then the second year, we doubled it. And then we decided to maintain that same size for the following year. And it's amazing the difference in how many man hours it took from the second year to the third year. Significantly less hours. And also look much, much better too. Meadow is performing much better in its third year. And it's that's when I really noticed a big difference is after the third year is when things really start to work and look right and function the way it's supposed to function. Kind of goes with that old saying we hear so much in native plant circles about the first year they sleep, the second year they creep, the third year they leap. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. How are we going to get these functional landscapes if we don't have people like you who know how to design them and know how to maintain them? And even though more things are being designed, the maintenance is not there. It's really important. And we've got to be able to sell that maintenance, which means we have to understand what it is so we can communicate to customers, okay, this is the deal. This is how this is probably going to roll out. There aren't any guarantees, but it's going to be, you know, a lot more money maybe up front. You're going to, you're not just putting in a bunch of turf with a few decorative trees plotted around or something. So these are really important, important developments. That's great to hear. So thinking back on your business, I mean, obviously one big aha moment, or was it really a moment that it was kind of sinking in that, you like the outdoors, you like a healthy environment, you want to do more native plants and less pointless plants. Plants that don't do anything for the environment other than sit there and look good. What are some other big ideas that came along to help you move your business forward? Well, a couple of things. First, the actual studying and tracking the, the time it took to maintain these properties. That was a major breakthrough for me. And I think that is something very important that any professional needs to do. They need to study the work that they have done over the years and currently doing. I'd say that was probably one of the most important things I did. Of course, joining the Native Plant Society and becoming very involved with that. That was another thing that was critically important and it has made all the difference um, because there was a lot of smart people out there all throughout Florida, you know, in our association that really know what they're doing. They're often doing things differently, but that, that knowledge is very important. And I can't tell you how valuable that's been, being involved with FAN and being involved with the Native Plant Society. It's a constant education. And of course, I didn't actually go to college for this. When I went to college, I was a biology major, but I didn't actually study horticulture or plants in any real depth. But, um, but I did self-educate, and the Native Plant Society was a huge source of that education, and the uh, fan as well. And I think that was a big, a big deal, was learning and self-educating, being involved with the association, because it does, it motivates you and you're going to learn something for sure. Tapping into those resources, like you said, the knowledge bank that is out there. And I always see like within FAN, there's the knowledge bank of not just the plants, but hey, staying alive in your business while you're learning how to use these plants and how to sell these plants. And then the whole thing with horticulture and ecology, I always feel that the ecology people 
people need more horticulture. Horticulture people need more ecology. So we have to bring them together so that that sharing happens. Because like you said, none of us can learn all of these things in college, even if there were such an ideal program there, you know, there's just a lot to know. Thinking back on your business, big mistakes, you know, things, if you look back, things you wish, really big things, not little things. We all make lots of mistakes and mistakes are great learning opportunities also, but things you wish you had done differently or that if you had a chance to not make that big mistake again, that would be helpful for other people to know about. Yeah, that's a that's a kind of a hard question to answer. I was in business for a long time before I got involved with FAN. And I think not getting involved with any industry, whether it was FNGLA or FAN, was a mistake. I really wish I would have done that a lot sooner. I think I would have progressed a lot sooner had I done that. So I'd say that that was probably the biggest mistake. Um, another mistake that I think I felt like I did is I felt like I had to do everything. I have tendencies, a lot like my dad. He feels like he has to be part of every single part of the operation. And I've learned not to do that. I'm starting to learn to delegate better, to hire really high quality employees, people who are educated. Sometimes they might be a lot smarter than me, you know? And some people are scared to do that kind of thing. but it's important to have high quality people in the organization and to delegate. So those are things that I'm still working on. We have a pretty good size operation. like So we have a lot more employees and I have done a better job at delegating over the years. And I'm going to have to because, you know, getting out there when I was younger, I did a lot of production and I still find myself doing some production and some of the, when you're trying to create something, you can't just do it in front of the computer. You have to do it in the field. And uh, it's hard work, <laughs> that's for sure. And uh, it's a young man's game when it comes to that real, real physical hard work. So, you know, it takes people, that's for sure. What are the big surprises to you in our sector of the industry you know, I'll share that a surprise to me all these years. I, when I first got involved with native plants, I was sure that this everybody would be doing this pretty soon. And it's still, we're still working on getting the word out. We're still working on convincing people of this great idea. But as far as you and your business, what's surprising to you? I think that you hit it right on the right on the head there. That was a surprise to me too. When I decided to do this, I thought this was going to take off like wildfire. I was like, why wouldn't you do this? It just seemed so obvious. And I was so excited. And a lot of my customers were so excited. I mean, when people get excited about native plants, they get excited about it. It's really amazing how it can be a life-changing experience when you go from a traditional method to this new ecologically friendly method or environmentally friendly method of of landscaping. It's like, why didn't we do this sooner? And the biggest surprise is that it did not take off the way that I thought it was going to take off. I had to work really, really hard for years. However, there definitely is a change. Something is happening. And I really noticed that. I would say I noticed the massive difference around 2016. And maybe it was because I had one or two really good-sized clients that spent a lot of money. Of course, they got extremely excited about it. But 
the phone is ringing more and more. It's, it's like people are more interested in mega plants. Uh, we still have a long ways to go. It's kind of shocking in a lot of ways how few people don't embrace it or don't even know anything about it. We all have to continue to work on that and, and continue to promote it and never let up. It's a constant, constant promotion all the time. And that's a very important part of this process is promoting and teaching. And I feel like I do that all the time and we'll never stop. That's the big one is why is it more popular now than it really should be? Yeah. Yeah. What you just echoed, what we've heard from some of our other interviewees that education is such an important part of this business. And it's just, you just got to keep going, keep going, keep going. So I want to go back to what you said earlier about, you know, learning how the plants interact and, and, you know, how would you good design since, since this is not really taught or is not widely taught and is probably not real accessible to everyone that might be interested in being in this field. How would you advise someone who's interested in getting into ecological landscape design and maintenance? What can they do to educate themselves in the most efficient way possible? It's a forever learning curve, right? But what can they do? What are the jumpstarts? The Native Plant Society was an extremely important resource for me because um, there's so many people. They're, they're very science-minded, and there's so many scientists in, in the Native Plant Society. And what I did is I just spent a lot of time with them. I spent a lot of time with them going out in the woods and seeing these plants together. Like most people, when they go out in, in, in nature, they don't really pay attention to how the plants interact with one another. I guess some people do, but early on I didn't. And uh, the Native Plant Society taught me how important it is to see how plants interact with one another. And as uh, they learn more about plants, there's you know very sophisticated things going on with uh, the relationship between plants. And some plants just don't work together well. There's these allelopathic properties and communicating systems that plants have that prevent plants from really interacting well together. And so I've, I've seen it um, as I've experimented and that just takes practice, but learning and, and spending that time out there, learning about your ecosystems, what components go into an ecosystem, because if you create an ecosystem that generally works well in the wild, it's going to work. Now, we do have the aesthetic properties that we that are very important. But knowing that is a good head start to knowing what direction to go in. I'd say that is pretty important. If you're going to create a true living, breathing landscape that functions like an ecosystem. People need to get out, get out in nature and see true natural systems yeah. and learn to see plants in that system and learn to observe what's going on in that system over seasons, over time. Absolutely. I think it's a critical, critical part of the education is knowing your ecosystems and knowing how those plants interact. And uh, when I was with them, like with the, on these field trips and various trips throughout the state of Florida, I spent a lot of time looking at plants, how, how the textures kind of changed between them and how they interacted and how the lighting, because uh, a lot of times when you're introduced to a plant, you think, oh yeah, this is the way it really works. 
in the landscape. But when you see it in the wild, it's like, oh, wait a minute. No, that's not exactly how it does interact in the real world. And you just get so much more out of that plant. The plant will go the distance and, and be as true, go as, you know, be in its full glory if you know a little bit more about the plant and where it belongs and what plants they tend to interact with. Uh, that's, that's the key, really, to making a beautiful landscape. And, you know, so many people that don't have that experience, well, they see the plants in the pots. And sometimes plants in pots, you just don't know what they are. You just, there's no way. And, and the tag is not going to tell you the whole story. The walk in the park will tell you the greater story. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, there's also high quality landscapes out there that uh, will give you a pretty good idea too. You know, there are more and more quality native landscapes out there, botanical gardens particularly. Uh, when we went to the Naples Botanical Garden, that was a good example of high quality landscape with native plants and how they would interact with one another. So, yeah, education, seeing how these plants work and just experimenting. You just got to experiment and, and don't be afraid to just try it and, and don't be afraid to fail and, and build ugly landscapes because I know that I built a few ugly landscapes in my day. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just, uh, it takes it takes time. You just got to persevere. And the client might be happy with that ugly landscape and they might call you back to enhance it later. That's a good thing to happen. Well, I know that a development at Springer Environmental had bugged you about for years and years and have been so anxiously waiting is for the retail operation. Tell us about that. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I have been talking about doing retail for years. And for whatever reason, I've been dragging my feet. I mean, it's hard. I mean, doing what I do, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. You have to, to do it really well. You have to dedicate yourself. But I see in other operations in the native plant business that have that do both retail and installation and design. They seem to fare well. It just seemed like a model that I needed to try. So I finally did it this year. The timing was terrible. <laughs> the timing was absolutely terrible because the weekend that we had our grand opening, Hurricane Ian was bearing down on us and was uh, actually projected to hit Tampa. So as you can imagine, a lot of people were excited about plants that weekend. So we've been adding more species. We're in the process of building a much bigger mat to put all our plants on and made improvements to the property. We started gardening, but we feel that it's very important that a retail operation looks really nice. So, so it takes time. So we're starting the gardening process. and. The property still isn't the best looking retail center, but it will be. We, we are confident that given time and just good old fashioned hard work, it's going to be a beautiful nursery. And we're dedicated to making that happen. And I think that we're well spaced and we're in a really good location. We have the land available to do it and it's time that we do it. Anything else you want to tell our listeners, Troy? You know, I'm... As motivated today as I ever was, and I'm, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited to see the movement of native plants really progressing. And I know that we have a pretty bright future. And uh, so I just want people to realize how important it is for the identity of our community 
you know, native plants is what really holds the, your identity better than anything when it comes to the community. And uh, it's very important that we maintain that and preserve it and continue to just build upon that, what we've learned over the years. So just keep learning and, and I hope to see more and more professionals out there getting involved and deciding to get in this business. It's very rewarding. And I'm so thankful that I made that decision years ago to go from a traditional to a native operation. It really changed my life. Troy is terrific. Be sure to check out Springer Environmental Services landscape work on Instagram or Facebook or the website springerenvironmental.com. And remember, if you're interested in a career with native plants, we would love to hear from you and help you. Head on over to nativeplanthort.org where you can learn more and support us. Mm-hmm.